The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to it, Midweek Editions here at Hale Varsity Radio. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We're powered by Herd at Sports and loaded up as we get closer to, well, kind of a, uh, a throwback weekend. What I mean by throwback, you, you have two offenses, two defenses, and two teams with N on their helmet that are going to fight, scratch, claw, your eyes out and maybe each other's. 489-1240. 489-1240 to get in and can find us on the YouTube channel with Hale Varsity. Subscribe to that. Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Easy to watch the show. Hale Varsity Twitter at HVarsity Radio. And if you're hearing us across the state on the Hale Varsity Radio Network, 1-800-825-5865. Five eight six five. Can email the show Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Mike Babcock with us in about fifteen minutes. We'll check in with Babbers. We'll spend some time in hour two. Our favorite Husker offensive lineman Jeremiah Searles will kick off hour two. Evan Bland joins us at a jock talk with Dr. Brandon Seifert. Elijah, what's shaken? You had a bowling outing last night. I pray that the team rallied and found a way. I'm not quite for certain on that. I'm still squeezing in some days to grill. I got uh, some kebabs from Mama last night. I had a pork steak. It was glorious. And uh, away we go. We're, we're here. We're ready to go on Wednesday. Well, let me let me take a, a quick moment here to talk about bowling last you gonna night. You're going to take a knee? Um, I'm, I'm quite disappointed i'm not, no no if i take a knee that means i'm ready to die and i'm not ready to die <laughs> um shut up matt rule for that quote i ever you ever take a knee while you're you're making your way up to the line so you don't go over the line and let it you you, you kind of the old grandma free throw that, no. that uh, rick barry used to do do you ever just roll it with both hands forward no no. I, I'm, I'm insulting you. You are I'm insulting sorry. me a little bit. Like, take a knee so you don't step over the line. No, I'm not an amateur. Thank you very much. I don't don't step over the line. It's not hard. Um, Next but- week on ABC, Elijah <laughs> Herbal, the pro bowling tour. <laughs> no, I am an amateur, though. Um, unfortunately, though, we have dropped to second place in our bowling league. We had one off week, and we got... You need some motivation. No, 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 no. And the thing was, was last night was... It was the matchup of the season, simply put. We were going up against the team that had leapfrogged us into first place. Was his name DeJesus? No. This, this is the, uh, I don't know if I should shout them out, the Fairway, fl- the, the fairway Flyers. I'm That's not going to mention the names, but I was really looking forward to bowling against them last night, and we show up, and they have uh, they called in that they were going to be absent last night, and they're going to make up their bowling for the night at a later date. So it's still up in the air whether or not we beat them on points last night or not. We're not going to know probably until we show up to bowling next week. They're just going to have to show up at some point in their convenience and and make that game up, and we'll see. Our, our scores are in the book now. They're going to go get their scores in, and uh, the computer will tabulate the results. So we don't know. We don't know how last night went in bowling. Um, we're going to find out, though. And uh, that's kind of how it is with uh, with Husker football on Saturday, right? Coming off a of bye week, we're going to find out, right? No, that's that's kind of where it's at, and the excitement level's not quite to Michigan week, but it's 
subdued. I get it. And you, you want to get to November, but there's still work to do these last two weeks of, of October with Northwestern and then Purdue. You think the the coast is clear for Nebraska to get over 500? Uh, easier said than done against Northwestern. The line has dropped by a point. It's now at 11 and a half, and I don't know if, if that means that things are looking up for, for Northwestern's quarterback, Ben Bryant, the Cincinnati transfer, or what, but it's it's just going to be funny to see what Northwestern team you get because they're they're not at full strength and they, they looked well fortunate to win last Saturday they've had some moments and they're uh, they're going to come in and, and make sure Nebraska's uh, got their they're focused now, I watched the the full episode this morning of Coach Rule and uh, the GB Rewind. And it was pretty cool behind the scenes. And, and what, what you're noticing with this football team, not only the, the win at Illinois, not only the bye week, but the, the day-to-day work that this team puts in, the focus that they put in, the attention to detail they put in, all reasons that you've lost in the past because – Nebraska has not been out-talented that often on the field, or there's been at least equal talent. They've not been blown out of the water talent-wise, with the exception of when you're facing and seeing a Penn State or an Ohio State or a Michigan, and some years Michigan State. But at least in the West, you've not been out-talented. You've just been out-developed. And, and that is, is something very personal to Matt Rule. He's a developer, and you're seeing teams and, and players – get better and better and better with this 2023 squad. I think it's going to be fascinating to see the, the young pups that have had a year of in-season development get a chance to play their final four and not burn a red shirt. I'm fascinated to see what some of these guys that have burnt their red shirt get to do now that the time is now for that wide receiving core. And we'll dive into signs of progress here for Nebraska because it's going to be on display. It'll absolutely be on display. Did they pull the old Nebraska trick where they kind of put their feet up? Hey, they've won a game. Ooh. And just kind of coast and don't respect the game or the opponent. Or do they stay locked in and hungry? And just the way this team is led right now, and it's led by the coaches, Uh, there's not going to be any foot off the gas. It doesn't mean Northwestern can't come out and play well. It doesn't mean Nebraska can't continue to self-inflict on themselves. But from a focus standpoint and a respect for the game part of things, I mean, Nebraska is going to be dialed in uh, because in this episode, Rule said the leash is off. Well, he, he still has his hand on the leash. It may be off, but it can go back on. And I think Monday through Thursday, the leash is on uh, with this head football coach and his assistants. And, and, and that needs to happen. That needs to absolutely happen. So we'll dive into some of that. We'll get uh, caught up with Mike Babcock, his time on Big Red Wrap-Up last night. But we have a, a chance to see Nebraska really continue to take some steps forward this game, this team, has always been a, a roadblock or a detour on what a season was supposed to be. 
Nebraska is good enough to win 10 or 11 ball games. Here's Northwestern to ruin it. Hmm. Here's Nebraska trying to get to a bowl game. Here's Northwestern to ruin it. Ah, Nebraska's trying to, to get a, a consecutive win streak together. Here's Northwestern to ruin it. Oh, here's Nebraska trying to get their season started off in the right way in Dublin, a game uh, you're winning. Here's Northwestern to, to ruin, ruin it. it. You're up 11 twice. They just, they fight. And I think you can appreciate that about Northwestern. Well, and that's the concern right now is is with that fight and with their, their tendency to ruin some Husker seasons, it feels like Nebraska's got a chance to build some momentum right now. You get a win going into the bye week. You have some winnable games, quote unquote, in front of you. I <laughs> can hate we say saying that, that anymore? I hate saying that, but let's be clear. Like I've laid it out a couple of times on this show. Northwestern, yeah, they fight, but Nebraska's got the talent advantage and they got a, a head coach in place right now in Northwestern that I don't think is going to be their head coach next year in, in Coach Braun. I, I don't think that's a long-term appointment. So you, you have a, a team in Northwestern that realistically, if you are in fact Nebraska and building in the direction that you think you're building right now, you should win this football game. You have Michigan State in a couple weeks. That's a program that's spiraling as evidenced by their loss to Rutgers. And Purdue is in the midst of a, of a kind of a culture change from Brom to Walters, which Nebraska is in the midst of a culture change too, but I think you have the talent advantage on Purdue. You have some games in front of you that 2-1 and one should be attainable and 3-0 and oh should be something that, that can be there if Nebraska goes out and executes football games. And you have a chance to build momentum, but wouldn't it be just a Northwestern move to go and ruin that momentum coming off the bye week and it'd be, derail it'd be, that? It'd be, it'd be a Northwestern move and it would be a total Nebraska move <laughs> yeah. to go out there and just look like hot garbage, to quote Coach Prime, because you're, you're just disinterested. And, and you know, is, is the week of practice going to be good leading up to this? There's just a different mood and feel where they're not always – pretty they're not always perfect but i think the the effort or the interest is it's been pretty consistent and and you need that against northwestern because nebraska's just had moments where they've gone out there and and not put northwestern away or not put northwestern down and that is a lesson learned you flip on the minnesota film where they're up 31 to 10 and that's a game you absolutely want back against Minnesota. You see Northwestern never say die in a crowd of 100, okay, because that's how many folks were at Ryan Field. And, and you may get a wounded Northwestern team. I mean, it's going to be key for them to see uh, what they get with their, uh, their quarterback or, or their backup quarterback. Kurtz is a guy that's good. If Ben Bryant plays, and, and maybe he does, Guys, super talented. You also had Northwestern uh, give it to Penn State for about a half a football. They're up 10 to 3. Penn State uh, had a sip of James Franklin's coffee and then scored 17 straight and 35 of the next 38 points. And if you're Nebraska defensively, I mean, Penn State had seven sacks. I'm not saying Nebraska's front is Penn State, no, but Nebraska's front is pretty darn good. And you could have uh, have some advantage there, but it all kind of comes down to what is Nebraska's focus and interest level like. And I think this staff will have them ready to go. I mean, I, I have thought that many times over many years, every time Nebraska's gone up to Chicago or Northwestern's come to Lincoln. And I'm not sure what Northwestern team I get. I'm becoming more sure with what Nebraska football team I'm going to get, and that's going to get a, going to be a team that'll 
play well defensively, and and then you'll you'll maybe see a little bit more progress offensively. They've been good to the tune of 200 yards, a game on the ground. That's going to win you some football games. You've got an identity with your quarterback, and this is a game where you got to be safe, but you still got to break in some of the young wideouts. Give me 18 targets to Fedoni on Saturday and give me some check downs to the running back. Let me see some more fleeks. And, you know, one constant has been that offensive line. Everywhere else, you've been beat to hell on offense. You've been able to run out the same five guys who keep trying to do their best on that offensive line. Maybe this is a game they go eat because, quite honestly, uh, you had the lines of scrimmage. That's how you're going to win ball games if you're Nebraska. You flip it around. If I'm anyone on that defense that's still around from last year, where they went 95 Nebraska on you in Dublin, I'm remembering that, right? I don't need rule to, to go off before kickoff with this motivational speech, and I love I'd pay to hear him. He's that good. Uh, if I'm anyone that's a holdover and I got it slammed in my face to the tune of several hundred yards and seven-minute drives where they just bludgeoned you, and there's still photos of oh, wow, they could run a train through that that hole because they could. They ran it hole, the running back. They ran it all over you last year. They mm. smoked you. They physically dominated you. If I'm any member of that Nebraska football team from last year that's still here, I've circled this thing for a while to get not, not, not just get mad, but get even. So we'll dive in as the show progresses here with signs of progress. But just showing up and being locked in, Elijah, that's 1A, B, C, and D for me because it's never happened on a consistent basis against Northwestern. And, and yeah, it's, it's, that's like the, the two sides to this coin is on one hand, it's Northwestern. But on the other hand, it's Northwestern. That's kind of like the, the two places I go. Where on one hand, yeah, it's, it's, it's Northwestern football. They're in a year of kind of turmoil right now, and they're, they're playing like their backs are up against a wall. Um, but at the same time, like you have the advantage on them from a, a talent perspective and the, the, the momentum of your season, but also Northwestern has stung you plenty of times, and that's why it's so tough to try and predict this game for me. But when I look at the opportunity, and I, I don't want to get ahead of myself here and talk about signs of progress, but I think I'm going to do it here. Nebraska's got the opportunity here when you, when you look about the, the, the grand rebuild as a whole. Like, Nebraska under Scott Frost, especially 2021, they were losing pretty. Man, their offense looks great. It's a whole bunch of one-score losses. They're playing great against these top 25 teams. They were losing pretty. You've made it into this part of the season. All three of Nebraska's first three wins have been ugly wins. I think you have learned to a point how to win ugly. I don't think that there's ever going to be a point this year where you win pretty. Maybe that's down the road, but I think the next sign of progress is can you control a game from start to finish? And I think you have an opportunity on Saturday with an opponent that can be controlled from start to finish. And I know they they gave Penn State a scare for a half and they came back against Minnesota after being down. So 
I'm not saying this team isn't dangerous, but I think you have the opportunity in front of you to control a game for all four quarters, and I'm not saying it's going to look pretty. I think that's somewhere down the road, but the next step in this is can you control a team for four quarters? And, and Northwestern feels like a great opportunity with what they have on the lines of scrimmage and what you have with your, your uh, running defense. Maybe Northwestern trots out the backup quarterback. You have a chance to get him flustered. You have a chance to, to continue finding your offensive identity with Heinrich Harburg at the quarterback position. I think the next step in the evolution of this Husker football program program is controlling a game from start to finish and you have that opportunity on Saturday and if we're talking about progress in this 2023 season and getting better on a week-by-week basis that's what I need to see on Saturday is a team that is controlled from start to finish because Nebraska was close to doing that against Illinois but it felt hairy in the second half sure just a game where it doesn't feel hairy in the second half it always feels like Nebraska's in control Northwestern is that Twitter video that's been out all week where there's a kangaroo trying to drown your dog out in a lake Mike Babcock joins us next and now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We're powered by Hernat Sports. Mike Babcock with us from Hale Varsity. Can get that bi weekly newsletter from Mike. Just get an email sent, request it at Mike B at HernatSports.com. Babbers, it is Northwestern week. Do you have your Hail Mary gloves on? Take nothing for granted. That is about right. Man. Uh, and fair to say that the the purple cats have been taken for granted for far too long by the folks in Big Red? Uh, yeah, that's probably right. I mean, I, I, you can understand why that's been the case, but uh, yeah, you can't, you can't do that um, <laughs> this season. And, you know, Coach Rule is said go one and oh and improve that's what you do each week i think you need to take that advice going into this game although we can look beyond it certainly because we're not uh, we're not locked into that we're not and and i want to kind of get your take on your reaction to rule and his motivation uh, more so through some of the video clips that are out the social media clips and have you um, seen a, a coach motivate like him in a while? I mean, he's got a gift for it. Yeah, I think he does. Um, you know, and as we've said before, he uses what he says in news conferences also to uh, motivate his players. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm impressed with what he does. I've said this before, but I, you know, he's very engaging. He seems to be very open with the media. Um, he answers questions uh, that you have before you even ask him, particularly related to injury situations. And he doesn't back away from any question. Um, although he'll say if he, if, if he prefers not to elaborate on something, he'll say that as well. But I, you know, it's, it's been a while since we've had uh, anybody that's been quite that open, I think. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's won me over at this point uh, from the standpoint of I think they're going in the right direction. It's Mike Babcock with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Mike, whenever you talk about that open and, and honest nature, I'm not sure if you saw this today on Twitter, but Evan Cooper took to Twitter. It was freshman defensive back Sincere Safiula who got on Twitter and said two things define you your patience when you have nothing and your attitude when you have everything well 
Evan Cooper hopped on Twitter and said, just show up to Lyft in meetings on time. That's about as open and honest as you can get in a public forum for what Sincere needs to do to be able to, to move his way up the depth chart and get himself on the field and, I guess, reach a point wherever you have everything. And I wanted to get your reaction. I'm not sure if you saw that, but what's your reaction to a uh, Husker position coach getting on Twitter and just airing it out publicly. This is what you got to do if you want to get on the field instead of getting on Twitter and saying, uh, I, I shouldn't say complaining because it wasn't a, a complaining post, but just essentially saying, hey, you want to get on the field? You want to have everything? Here's how you do it. You're not you're not living up to the standard right now. Don't, don't, hey, don't get on Twitter and air the laundry and, and, and then be shocked if there's a response to, oh, uh, that's where the laundry is hanging, Mike. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't see it, but I would be inclined to say, let's keep it off social media. Um, and I think that that's what Matt Rule would say, right? Because he says he shuts that stuff down. He doesn't pay attention to it. I think that he would have that same expectation for his players and for his assistant coaches. Very fair. Mike Babcock with us from Hale Varsity at MD Babs on Twitter is where you find him. Babbers, you... Uh, had a chance to, to sit down at Big Red Wrap-Up last night. And, uh, well, your thoughts. Uh, I know a lot was talked about with Memorial Stadium. Yeah, I tend to ramble, uh, that's for sure. And uh, I call there it is educate. No to the, to the uh, observation that I was there for that first game against Oklahoma when they wore the <laughs> blue jerseys. But, um, you know, one thing I didn't say, I, I think it's kind of interesting to me, um, my uncle was the equipment manager at Nebraska for football and baseball from 65 to 77. Uh, he, he had been a farmer in the North Loop Scotia area for years. And uh, so he had this eye for things. And before they put down artificial turf, and I don't remem- remember which direction it was, but he said, you know, I think the field is slightly uphill one direction or the other, north to south. When they put the artificial turf down on the field, um, you know, they prepared the field to put it there. They found out that it was definitely slightly elevated going one direction or the other. So technically, it wasn't dramatic, but technically, you could have been going uphill before they put that turf down, or you could have been going downhill, depending upon which, direct, which direction you were going. I always thought that was an interesting thing uh, in, in Memorial Stadium, you know, this former farmer has got an eye for fields and he says hey that field is not exactly level uh and it wasn't hey um, I, I can well. confirm my time with husker vision you couldn't trust the uh, the levels on the camera to match up with the field and find your level you'd have to go line up with the field because there was a slight difference between mm. what was level with the press box and what's level on the field i'm not sure if that means the press box is also at a, a slight tilt or, or what's up <laughs> with that but there is some slight just very slight uh, inconsistencies at, at the the one Memorial Drive, and maybe that's because of a hundred years Memorial Stadium things settle and whatnot. But it is slightly off kilter. Just just my personal experience as well. Well, I, I look at the old turf monster. The the sack I remember for the rest of my life was Kale Gundy getting taken down by the big red end at midfield because of the crown. And you're standing on one sideline looking across the other, and it's like. Half the bodies disappear. <laughs> yeah, you get that turf on there, and you got you got a little bit of a crest there. Um, and My- the other thing I didn't say, this is me. You know, I was sophomore at the university in uh, 1966 in the fall of 66. I helped my uncle put stripes on the helmets. Did just, you really? So you'll know. You know, because 65, they just had the numbers. They mm-hmm. uh, 
on the helmets. And in 66, they then had the stripe. So um, I get credit for helping with that. I, I, I love that. Mike Babcock's with us. Mike, if, if we had to, to draft a, a team you're somewhat confident in in the Big Ten West to, to get to Indy, who's that team right now? Uh, well, fortunately, there's nobody in the room, so I can say it probably without something being thrown at me, but uh, probably Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, because I just think that uh, Iowa scraps and, you know, you can say what you want about a horrible offense, but they get the job done. Um, I, I would say the Hawkeyes are, are that team. But, you know, who, who knows what's going to happen uh, on, on, on Black Friday when, when Nebraska plays Iowa and Lincoln. Um, it depends a lot on, like I said earlier, we can talk about things ahead. We, we're not like the coaches. We don't have to go. Uh, 1-0 and, and uh, try to improve each week, we can look down the line. If Nebraska could get something going, um, you know, have an opportunity, you beat Northwestern, you, you build a little momentum and confidence and you play with that grit, um, you, could, you could beat Purdue, right? I mean, there's an opportunity to beat Purdue. Um, if you beat Purdue, there's momentum that you could build at that point. Um, I just think there is enough there for Nebraska, if you play gritty and accept that that's the way you need to play um, to get the job done, who's to say what's going to happen? Now, I'm not going to say that Nebraska is going to win the West Division, but um, my pick of Iowa uh, could be susceptible to uh, Iowa might not get past Nebraska, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the year, and, and maybe it's uh, Wisconsin that has an opportunity. Or maybe Wisconsin doesn't get past Nebraska. Um, it's just, it's hard to say what's going to happen, but the potential is there. Nebraska can be competitive in his remaining six games, in my opinion. Mike, uh, as we were leaving the, the Michigan weekend, I think a lot of people in Husker Nation, myself included, kind of felt that Nebraska needed to be at six wins before that Maryland game if they wanted to make a bowl game. It was going to get hairy after that. If you weren't at six, you still had a chance. But has that changed for you at all in the past two weeks, seeing what Nebraska did against Illinois, seeing Maryland fall to Illinois, seeing the Iowa and Wisconsin matchup? Maybe Wisconsin isn't as good as some people thought. That game was just ugly all around. Has that changed for you in the past two weeks now that, you know what, if Nebraska's at five with uh, Maryland coming to town, you might feel a little better? Yeah, it it it, ha- it has changed for me. And, and that the, it, that Illinois beat Maryland was a shocker to me. I, there's no way I thought that was going to happen. Um, um, so, yeah, that kind of changes the dynamic to my way of thinking, is that uh, Maryland becomes susceptible. Michigan State is in a, you know, everything is is uh, in an uproar there because of what's happened with the head coach. Um, it's just the, the schedule has changed as time goes on so that um, I probably would have said if nothing had changed at Michigan State, going to East Lansing, probably not something that you're going to be in a position where you could win that game. But I think now you could win that game. You could have six before you play Maryland. Um, but uh, now Maryland loses to Illinois. What do we What do we say there? Um, Northwestern beats Minnesota. What do I, how does that change the way I see Northwestern? It, 
it seems like week to week things change for me. Absolutely, it is week to week with uh, this this league and the the western half. Mike, I think it's a real danger zone for Wisconsin. They they got beat up. They're with backup quarterback. They're not great at running the football. They're trying to transition on offense, waiting for Joe Daly to run out there uh, with, with what they're doing with their their um, offensive overhaul. Now they got to go to Illinois. I mean, they got to go to Illinois after getting put out like a smoky treat by Iowa defensively. And Illinois suddenly has some confidence in his hot. I mean, Wisconsin could be in some trouble. Yeah, the same thing. I mean, it, again, you look at those those final six games on Nebraska's schedule, and and it's a little bit of a not uproar. I, that's probably not the word, but there, there's a little bit of a mess up here with these programs. That if I looked at it at the beginning of the season, I would say it's a dramatically different kind of a stretch than it than it was when I looked at it when I look at it now. I mean I I and and Wisconsin is in that mix as well. So again, the players have to take what rule says one game at a time. You can't look beyond that. And you guys talked about it earlier. But you can't look beyond Northwestern. There's no way. You don't know what's gonna happen, what Northwestern team you're gonna you're gonna see that comes to Lincoln. But you play that kind of gritty defense that Nebraska has shown it can play, and you cut down on the turnovers on offense so that you're not constantly putting the defense right back out there, um, and you have some kind of a running game, I think you have a chance. Mike Babcock with Hale Varsity. Mike B. at HerdAtSports.com. Babbers, we'll talk next time. Thanks for the time. Thanks for having me, guys. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity. We're presented by your friends at Herd Ant Sports. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Big thanks to Mike Babcock, Jeremiah Searles. In 15 minutes, we've got to go to the stream. We'll get to more questions. Elijah saw what you saw, Elijah, the Evan Cooper tweet. And uh, that was uh, pretty interesting. Ty is back in town. He's going to be in Lincoln slash Omaha for work the next couple of weeks. So he's asking for some good dinner spots. Well, if you're in Omaha, get to La Vista, the Herdat Sports Bar and Grill. Get there, get the bang-bang sauce, get a cold pint, you'll be smiling. Uh, get your friends at Lazari's dialed up. Seth and Gregor's in Lincoln if you need some pizza. And uh, Chris at HaleVarsity.com is where you can email. And also Elijah at Herdat Sports is where you can email if you want uh, some Chop House recommendations. Fair? Fair. Fair? Yeah. I think you and I are both great resources. I'd also encourage if you're on social media, DM me on Twitter. My DMs are open. I will see your DMs to me regardless if uh, you follow me or if I follow you back. At Herbal Essence. I will see your DMs. You can uh, give me a a DM there and I'll give you some other recommendations as well. There's so many great food spots in Lincoln and Omaha and uh, I think Schmidt and I have tried all of them. We will. (laughs) Yeah. And if we haven't, we will. Uh, uh, We've had the Chinese food discussion. That's been uh, pretty glorious. We've uh, dove into, there's a couple of barbecue spots that I have been told to go hit. I have not. And, and from a taco standpoint, I got to find, I, I have a, a go-to Tuesday taco spot, but I, wanna, I want another option as far as just a place to go get 
killer tacos. It could be a food truck for all I care, but just a place that I can do tacos that it's not your normal hard shell or soft shell. There's a little oomph to the shell. Well, oomph to the shell? Yeah. My favorite taco shell, and we had these out in western Nebraska, Uncle Willie. They're barge tacos where you would put your corner flour tortilla on a pan that had a little oil in it. Yeah. And then they, they, were, they were oil. Oh, they pop up. Yeah, they yeah. pop up. Yep. And they were just crunchy and incredible. Were they homemade tortillas? They weren't homemade tortillas. See, I've been wanting to, I've heard. It's homemade, like, stuff out of the garden. That's pepper, onion, you know. Well, that's always the key. It is. I, I have heard homemade tortillas, not that difficult. And I've heard, if you like making bacon at home, that bacon <laughs> grease is the best fat that you can use to make your tortillas Note ever. Note to self. So I've, I've been meaning to try that for a while. I actually made um, mayonnaise with bacon grease. I'm not sure if you've ever homemade Never made mayonnaise. my own mayonnaise. Really mm-hmm. easy. Look it up online. If you've never made your own mayonnaise, if you're a, a mayonnaise fan, which I think most people in Nebraska most likely are, mayonnaise is fantastic. Look up a, a recipe online for making your own mayonnaise. It's fantastic. It's easy. If you have an immersion blender or just even a, like a stand blender, you can get it done in like 60 seconds, and it's so much better than what you can get in the store. So much better. Highly recommend trying that. I want to try making my own tortillas, but yeah, no. Uh, you've, you've gotten us off on a food tangent now. I, I did, but I had to answer Ty's question in the stream. Ken asks and answers, I should say, the question we asked to Babbers, who you betting on for the West, your confidence rating. He, uh, Ken is saying Iowa's the front runner. Totally agree with that. And a uh, good chance Nebraska and Iowa play for the West title. Well, that, that's, that would be that's incredible. That would be incredible if that were a real thing. If Nebraska wants to play for the West title against win Iowa, out. they have to win out. Exactly. And the way I see it right now, mm. in terms of your West front runners, I got Iowa at one. I still have Wisconsin at two. And then I probably have Nebraska at three. That's probably how I'm looking at it right now. And that's probably going to change by the end of October. Almost no doubt in my mind that's going to change by the end of October based on how Nebraska plays, and we'll see how Wisconsin responds to that Iowa game. But Iowa's your front runner, and I think there's a pretty good gap between Iowa and the next two or three. Let's talk about your nerves. How do you calm nerves? Some of you have uh, nicotine gums. Some of you have nicotine. Some of you are rum and coke fans. I'm not judging. I'm just saying there's all sorts of options. Some to people read a good book, Schmitty. Yeah, <laughs> you can do that. Uh, uh, some people pour a whiskey. But how do you keep your hands from jittering when it comes to your Nebraska football team? On the schedule, who has you most nervous? And we're going to take Nebraska off of that schedule. You can't tell me, even though it's probably not far off, that Nebraska is the team that makes you most nervous about Nebraska. Oh, okay, okay. I see what you're saying See, right? I mean, the old self-harm trick. Well, is Northwestern in that conversation for you? History is history. This year's a whole different ballgame. Maryland's up there. Sparty's there. Iowa, from a sure... Man, they're going to be tough to beat. Iowa still is at the top of the food chain for me. From a talent standpoint and skill, if you're not on your P's and Q's defensively, Maryland's a sound argument on the road at Sparty. Maybe they decide to take out this year of frustration on somebody. They will if it gets going sideways on you. So East Lansing's not easy. Purdue has had your number. Uh, And then there's Northwestern. I don't have, God, I'm going to be kicking myself about 6 o'clock Saturday probably, but I don't have the, 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 the nervous meter 
really be on to five for Saturday for Nebraska. I think they're still within that moment post-buy of, of really being locked in. I don't think they've gotten full of themselves. I don't think their head coach is going to let them get full of themselves. And I think they can go out and, and grind out another win and, and maybe have a little bit of breathing room. Purdue, can they follow it up? I, I mean, Purdue's going to have a bye to get ready for Nebraska, so that's not great. But they're, they're not what they were under Brom, and he was an X-factor. Okay. It, yep. But don't don't let Purdue's two and five record fool you. Whenever I look at that Purdue game, because their losses, you have a bad one. It's it's game one of the uh, the Walters era. So I think similar to that Minnesota game for Nebraska fans, you look back at that and go, well, I don't think that's the story of the season. I think you can say the same for Purdue's game one loss to Fresno State. Uh, but they kicked the hell out of Illinois. They went and beat them 44-19, to 19, mm-hmm. a close loss to Iowa. They put up 14 points on Iowa, which is a, a impressive in its own right, to go put up 14 points on that Iowa defense, and you only lose by six. Uh, Ohio State's going to beat a lot of people bad this year. They beat Purdue bad this year. But Purdue's had a tough schedule, and they're going to be coming off of a bye week whenever they play Nebraska. So you get an extra week of preparation for Nebraska. You get an extra week of prep. I think Purdue to me, is a game that is most worrisome because I think a lot of people are going to be overlooking that game. Maybe not the fans, or sorry, maybe not the team, but I think among the fan base, I think you're already, if, if you take down Northwestern, I think you're looking ahead, man, ro- road trip to Sparty, that's a little worrisome, and then you get the November slate. I think people might be overlooking how tough of a test that Purdue game might be. That Walters is me. really, really good. Yep, and, and his defense, they, they they come to play. Like They're physical, they're not as talented as Purdue has been in the past, but that's a physical football team. Purdue scares me a little bit, but the game that scares me most in terms of like watching it and wanting to gouge your eyes out is going to be that Iowa game. And I know it's a long ways off, but that Iowa defense is legit. It's 100% for real. Nebraska's offense is not legit as of right now. And then uh, you turn it around. Iowa loves running the football. Nebraska loves stopping the run. That that game might make you want to gouge your eyes out. But that's not the game I'm most nervous uh, about. It'll be all right. No, my, my, my nervous levels probably... It's Iowa, just because of of what the stakes could be. Uh, then it's Maryland from a talent standpoint, and I don't I don't know where it's incomplete for me with Wisconsin. If Wisconsin doesn't get it done this weekend on the road, they're in real danger. How many plates of biscuits and gravy does Iowa's quarterback crush Sunday morning? That's what I want to know. We'll answer some more questions in the stream. We'll wind down hour one. Searles on the way with hour two. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, busy hour two. Jeremiah Searles, Husker standout NFL, are going to be with us to kick off hour two. Evan Bland from the Omaha World Herald, a jock doc on Mr. Fields and his thumb. A reminder to get buckled up using your seatbelt. It saves lives, prevents injuries only if properly worn. Buckle up, a message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. We are talking about what games are left on the schedule that make you the most nervous. And uh, you can pick one or all of them. Or uh, maybe you feel a little bit better. I feel better about Saturday based on how Nebraska's responded with their mentality. And uh, presuming that they're going to keep getting better. I said that before August got here. I said that in August. I said that before kickoff in September. Matt Rule teams get better. They get better on the field. 
and uh, that is something that you've not seen from a Nebraska football season in a while. Anonymous chimes in. Illinois could still win six or seven games. Let that sink in. They go get Wisconsin. They're right there. They're back at four and four. Nate chimes in. First time in the chat. Where can I find these low-priced football tickets you are talking about? And Elijah, you were on a couple of different fan seat sites. And and that's where you're you're looking, right? Yeah, no free shout outs here, but if you Google Nebraska Northwestern tickets, just Google that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a couple different options in terms of vivid seats, seat geek. Mm-hmm. Go, go find where you can find the cheapest seats. I'm sure you can find some. I, I just pulled it up actually after seeing this on the same site that I saw yesterday, verified through the university, section thirty five, row sixty four, sixteen dollars each. You would have to pay fees after that so it'd probably come out to somewhere around 25 or 30 dollars mm-hmm. each once you pay for the fees and whatnot uh, but the face value on them right now among 673 listings lowest 16 there's a whole bunch of 16 dollars seats in this one site i'm on right now which they don't pay us so i'm not going to shout them out but mm-hmm. they, they will be near the top of your google recommendations if you just search nebraska northwestern tickets so i i like ken's faith the best stake in omaha uh i've been to a, a place that rhymes with Hop uh, House with our dear friend Garth Glissman. That is pretty good. Uh, Committee in Blackstone is incredible. Uh, That is uh, really good. And there's another spot I went with my buddy Nader Dickerson. Uh, Sorry, we're going to do a shot. The Drover Mm. in Omaha is legend. It is legend. And they got the old school salad bar where you can walk up there and just drench your salad with bacon bits. See, I'm cheap. I don't even like going to steakhouses all the time. Well, I'll say this. Well, it's not that I'm cheap. It's just I feel like for the price, I can make a better steak at home. I can go buy a $15 steak at said spot, throw it on my grill, and I'm going to be as pleased or more so than what I'll order for 75 bucks. Yeah, and the key at home, you got to make yourself a nice compound garlic herb butter. See, I need you to teach me that because all I do is season it and I don't have any butter. And I don't, I don't sear, I just grill. See, we, we need to have a, a steak off sometime, you and me. We'll get like, I don't know, Dolman or some other people just involved and they can, they can be the, the testers and we'll each like bring two or three steaks to the, to the party and we can every, well, everyone try it. And I love them, the but why? I'll make you a steak, you make me a steak. <laughs> That'll work. We'll, we'll go 50-50 on it. We'll yes, compare. Yes. I can do that because I've been working on my at-home pan-seared. Ooh, it's turning good. I got a, I got a whiskey butter I've been, I've been okay. playing around Jared, with. quit putting the cart before the horse. About worrying about the Big Ten West. Just go 1-0. Totally agree. Searle's on the way next. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Back into it at Tail Varsity Radio. We say hi to Jeremiah Searles, favorite Husker and NFLer at uh, Searles71 underscore HSKR. Searles, you are back from Champaign and some uh, NFL travels, brother. How you doing? 
I'm good. Yeah, super fun to go call the game for the color compensating there for Champagne, get a win. That's my first road win with the network uh, since ever. And then a chance to go out to Cincinnati and watch the Bengals beat up on the Seahawks, watch to see my client, take him out to dinner. And, yeah, man, things have, things have been good. I'm waiting for this damn farmer to cut the corn out of my field so I can go hunt some deer and all that fun stuff. You will go get Bambi, or you'll try anyway. I'll do my best. You, uh, you were able to uh, to see Nebraska get a win. And I want to go back to Friday night, and your your eyes say what about this football team Beyond the, the goal line stand, beyond the, the fumbles, what have you noticed about them under rule? The biggest thing is just how hard they play. You know, that's one thing for me, the defense specifically. They're playing with their hair on fire, and they responded really well to getting punched in the face against Michigan. You know, I think a lot of teams after the, the whooping that they took at home against Michigan could have went in the tank and the way they responded and went out and fought and found a way to win a game instead of for so many years how many times we sat on the show and man the Huskers found a way to lose right and it wasn't pretty it wasn't how you wanted it to look but they went out and played hard and they found a way to put a game away in the fourth quarter on the road and that for me is a huge sign of steps in the right direction of this program it's Jeremiah Searles with us here on Hale Varsity Radio and Searles, we've seen a couple of pregame speeches now from Matt Roll. We talked about the Illinois pregame speech yesterday here on this show, and a consistent theme in those pregame speeches has been going out on the football field ready to die. And it's kind of a a two-part question here. First, if you're in that locker room, how do you respond to a speech like that? Is there something to hearing a speech like that pregame and actually, you know know what, I'm going to go lay it online. And two, have you seen a team that's gone out in that field and played like they're ready to die? You know, it's hard for me because... I have to put myself back in 19, 20-year-old Jeremiah's skin and hear that speech instead of the 28, 29-year-old NFL player that if an NFL coach said that to us, we'd be like, shut up, stop, no. <laughs> but like, I think as a young player, instilling that type of mentality in your program of there is nothing else, right? And I think it's like one thing to go out there and be like, hey, we die, we die, like the old Kyle Drogo or whatever his name was. But the idea of, like, there's nothing else like this, and there's not. There's nothing else in the world like going out there and playing college football. Even the NFL, it's not the same. And to have the embodiment of the idea of what else would you rather be doing, like, I'd rather be dead than doing this, than not doing this, so let's go out and do it and lay everything I have for these 60 minutes because you never know when it's your last time and you never know when you're going to do this again. And for a lot of you, this is one of 12 last opportunities to go out and play college football. That's more the message that I get when I sit there and I listen to that instead of like the physical die, right? But it's more along the lines of just like, there's nothing that's going to ever compare to this in life again with the competitiveness. So lay everything you have out there to where if if tomorrow you died, you'd be happy with the fact that what you put out on that field. Mm -hmm. Jeremiah Searles with us. Searles, how big was motivation for you being motivated? Uh, how much button pushing did you need? Did your teammates need? You know, everyone's different. You know, I think everyone's different as far as there's guys that need a lot of that kind of cattle prod of get going and moving. And then there's other guys that that actually backfires on. You know, there's some guys that are so internally motivated and have their own things that if you start trying to rile them up, it actually makes them play worse because then they start playing and letting emotion control them instead of controlling their emotion. And so for me, I was never a big rah-rah guy. 
you know i'd like to get going and i'd show some emotion but i always knew that if i started letting my emotions run rapshaw over me like i played out of control i'd not stay in my technique i'd start lunging i'd start reaching and, and not trusting what i was doing from a technical standpoint and you know i think it's a lot easier for a defensive player to get raw rod and go and build off it because they're just blind dogs in the meat house man just see ball sick ball run around do whatever you want but as an offensive guy you got to stay controlled you got to stay in the moment you have to stay focused and you know so i think a lot more is why you see a lot more of the defensive guys hooting and hollering and running around because they can just let their emotions go crazy Searles, how did you personally keep your emotions in check? And I guess as a follow-up to that as well, how do coaches keep emotions in check, knowing how each of your players operate? Because I'm sure that's something a coach at some point in time mm-hmm. has noticed. Hey, you know what? Searles doesn't play as well whenever he's getting emotional on the football field. How, how does how does those two work in tandem? A, a player keeping their own emotions in check and knowing that about themselves, and then B, a coach knowing how their player best operates. Yeah, first of all, you have to be self-aware and you have to be willing if someone approaches you and says something like that not to fly off the handle and let your emotions rule yourself, right? It's a pretty tall tale sign if someone comes up to you and they're like, hey, man, your emotions get going and, you know, you kind of play out of control and you're like, the hell they do, right? Like, you start freaking out. <laughs> but, you know, it, for me, it was in high school. I learned it I learned it in high school where, you know, I had a coach, Coach Thanell, that he told me, like, I got a personal foul, a penalty. And it was a BS call, and I was super upset, and I started just playing mad and angry and trying to hurt everyone and fight. And, you know, I played poorly, right, between the whistles. I played poorly between the whistles. And he was really the first one that kind of approached me and was like, hey, you have to find a way to channel that in a better light. And then you get to the end, you get to the college level and you have to do it the same way, but now you have to do it on a practice field because you're trying to earn reps. Then you get to the NFL and you have to do it even different because you can't fight. You can't hurt people in practice. There has to be that controlled rage. And if you let your technique spill at all, then it doesn't work. You know, so a lot of it is your, your teammates and understanding your teammates and being able to have the confidence to go to them and know that they'll be receptive of what you say and having that trust in them. And then also just through reps, Right, just reps of understanding when do I let my emotion go and push myself to the brink and when do I really need to dial it back because it's starting to get out of control. Along those same lines, Searles, Ben Scott has gotten a couple personal foul calls this year, mm-hmm. both pretty much the same reason, uh, blocking a guy too long after the whistle. And I want to get your thoughts. You were there in Champaign, you saw it, and I think you saw it on TV as well for that Northern Illinois game. What's your take on Ben Scott and the after the, the whistle fouls? Because on one hand, I see it as, man, that's a mentality this Husker offensive line has lacked, that mean streak, that nasty. But on the other hand, it's also hurting the football team. and It's a guy that might be letting his emotions get the best of him. What are you seeing there? Yeah, I think, it's, I think you're, you're right on. I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's a guy that wants to be physical and finish and set that tone. But you have to know the second it starts hurting the football team, it's not worth it. right? And Cam Jurgens had a little bit of this issue, too of you want to finish a dude in the dirt, but if you have him on his heels and that whistle blows and you want to take him the next three steps and it's not one step, you just have to be smart, right? Because it's never worth the cool pancake or the cool knockout block if that yellow flag comes out and a huge play now is second and 25 because it's a 15-yard penalty, right? So I love the aggressiveness. I love the ability of what he does. He just needs to understand when to control his emotions, and there's a time and a place for that, and you just have to pick and choose. Jeremiah Searles with this couple minutes, Hale Varsity Radio. I'm going to go back to, to getting you out of control. <laughs> who pissed you off most, either at Nebraska or in the NFL? Who, who, who took you to that edge of, of losing your, your emotional cool? 
Yeah, I'll never say I didn't lose my emotional cool because there was plenty of times that I did. Um, a guy in Buffalo, uh, Shaq Lawson. Okay. First round, pick, first round pick out of Clemson. Him and I got into it weekly, I would say, um, because I was a guy that was an undrafted guy, felt that chip on my shoulder, and so I always went hard, right? Like I never felt like I was a guy that could take a playoff because I was always afraid of getting cut. And guys that are starters when you're a practice squad player sometimes don't love that. And so him and I used to get into it on Friday practices usually was the practice that we'd get into it on because he'd want to be chilling going through and I'd punch the soul out of him or I'd do something with like in between and then it'd escalate and I'd kind of lose my cool. Um, and then at Nebraska, it was Jack freaking Ganguish. Really? That kid, because was, he was young. He was young when I was an older guy. And he practiced so hard and he was such a meathead that like you know it, he'd just be running into you time and time again and you'd be like bro it is week 11 i can't walk i don't feel my fingers and he's just like yeah 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 like just <laughs> just geared foaming at the mouth right and it's why he turned into such a great player and i have a lot of respect because he made me better throughout the week but there was a few times that we all lost it on him. And the great part about our line was like, if one fought, we all fought. <laughs> right. So if he got into it with me is Spencer and Cole and soon and whoever. And if he got into it with Brent, we're all running over there stomping on him, like just doing whatever you got to do. But yeah, Gangwish was definitely that guy. I love that. Searles is with us here on Hale varsity, Nebraska, Northwestern. How you feeling about Saturday? Yeah. You know, I feel pretty good about this. You know, I watched Northwestern. Obviously I watched a ton of college tape and this team is very Jekyll and Hyde. In my opinion, you don't know which team you're going to get. Is it the one that came out and punched and went toe to toe with Penn state for two quarters? Or is it the one that almost found a way to lose to Howard, right? You just don't know. Now, if this backup quarterback plays, I pray for him because I think Tony white is going to dial up everything and anything to come after him. Cause when Howard got to him, he was throwing up 500 Christmas packages back to those back ends. So I feel good about where Nebraska's at. I think that coming out and naming Harburg the starter puts some questions to met, like to bed, and we don't have to worry and focus on that, and we can focus strictly on football. And if we can come out and take care of the football, have a zero turnover game, I do think Northwestern's going to give us a few, whether putting it on the ground or interceptions. I think Nebraska, this could be a, a springboard coming off the heels of Illinois into the back half of the season. So there's going to be a lot of pressure on the offensive line in the, the final six games. That's Nebraska's identity. It's still running the football, and they've been getting better there, it feels like, as the year has gone on. I want to get your thoughts on the offensive line here and what the next step would be against Northwestern. Yeah, first things, they got to clean up the pre-snap penalties. You know, the unforced errors, I call them. In a game, you're going to have a hold or you're going to have a, a chop block or things are going to happen throughout the course of the game that you get penalties, but the jumping off sides, the not knowing where to line up or those type of things, the mental errors, those need to get cleaned up for sure. But I agree with you. I think the O-line has played better and better each week. I throw Michigan out of the window when I talk about these equations. You can't even really put them in for evaluation purposes. But I thought Bryce Benhart has been playing very well. I think he's come a long way. You know, Ben Scott's been a super nice addition. Piper's been flashy. You know, Turner obviously is, in my opinion, the guy that needs to pick it up at the left tackle position, but that is an extremely hard position to play. I'm not going to say it is because I played it. It's very difficult. You know, but overall, if we can continue to run the football like we did early on in Illinois and create lanes, I like where this offensive line is going. I hope over the bye week they were able to find what identity they want to really press into as they go into the back half of the year here. Does it feel like 10 years since the Hail Mary? 
Yes, it does. I mean, it feels – I keep getting all these, like, flashbacks, remembrance of, like, man, last time Nebraska played Northwestern, I look back and I'm like, gosh, if I could go back and tell you a few things right now, we'd make a lot more money. But, you know, <laughs> for me, it's just – it's crazy to look back and see those moments and remember the rivalry that this game is. And it's weird to say, but, I mean, when I played in the Big Ten, we were, I think, one and two against them. But they always fought us so hard, and it was Why? always down to the wire. I don't know. And I think a lot of it goes back to the fact, and I said this on the podcast I do on the network, Nebraska is better on paper than Northwestern. But Northwestern is used to that being the case every single week. And they've still found ways to win every single year. right? And so if you overlook them at all, or you don't give them the respect that they're given, or you just kind of think we're better because we are, they know how to win football games using smarts and using their skill set using the clock all those things are extremely good at the intangible sides of off the field stuff and i think that's why they're able to keep themselves in so many football games is northwestern a, a wild animal that's been backed into a corner Searles? a little bit based off of and i don't think it's because of win laws i think a lot of it's because of the fitzgerald stuff mm-hmm. you know i think that's a team that loved their coach and loved and fought for them and to have him kind of taken out of there and the process in which that went, I think it galvanized that team a little bit. You know, they've already won more games than they did last year, and I think they're a worse football team than they were last year, in my opinion. But, you know, I think that that was kind of the linchpin that they needed to really pull themselves together, and they're playing for each other. They're playing for that uh, interim head coach, and they're just, at times, playing decent football. Did you guys overlook them? I don't think we overlooked them. I just think that they always came out and played their best football against us. Right? I mean, they were always – I mean, Kane Coulter all of a sudden took the entire college football by storm that first game when he beat us in 2011, right? And then we go up there and we fall behind because of some turnovers and we have to fight our way and claw our way back into that game. you know. And then obviously a Hail Mary there at the end. You know, They just always seemed to have a really good game plan on how they wanted to stop us and what they wanted to do. And I don't think we ever overlooked them, but they just always seemed to play really well against us. Searles, last thought, let's talk Harburg, uh, his future the rest of this season. Is, is that viable to, to run him as much? And do you see his ceiling uh, being reachable as a, as a passer? Yeah, you know, he's still young, developing as a passer. I think anytime you're going to have a heavy running quarterback, he's going to get hurt eventually. It's just, it's not realistic to think he's not. You know, but I will say this, I gained a lot of respect. I have a lot of respect, but I gained even more for Coach Rule coming out and announcing him as the starter because it sends a message to the entire team that I don't care if I bring someone in like I brought Jeff Sims in. If I have a t- guy that's winning games and I think he gives our team the best chance to win, he's going to play. And that's a message that resonates from every position group down, everyone from a senior to a freshman, everyone in that program now knows that there is no – the guy that oh that's coach rules guy or that's his golden boy or whatever it is rules about winning football games winning football games only and he made that very clear naming harburg the starter and i'm excited for what that young man can go do jeremiah searles with us here hail varsity radio at searles 71 underscore hskr searles we'll talk again bud thank you absolutely appreciate you guys go big red Good stuff from Searles. We'll spend some time with Evan Bland and a jock doc still to come. Special guest to announce for tomorrow. How about John Baylor to talk volleyball? And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. 
Back with you, Tail Varsity. We say hi to Evan Bland, Omaha World Herald at Evan Bland OWH. We thank Evan for a little audible here. Talk some ball with him. So, Evan, desperation level for Northwestern. Do you see Nebraska as a desperate team? Let's start there. Dion uh, was asking in the inbox here, so I'll forward it to you. A little option pitch. Uh, I don't know if I'd call them desperate. I mean, it's a, a certainly a game that you want to win if you're looking at that uh, that bowl game and, and continuing to build on the momentum that you've had. Um, but like, I don't, I just, I don't get that sense. Like, I, I feel like one of the themes from players and coaches this week was like, you, you do whatever it takes to win. Like Thomas Fedoni, a former number one national prospect at tight end, kind of almost half jokingly was like, yeah, if they need me to play defense um i'll do that you know billy kemp who comes in with almost 200 career catches as a college football player uh is like yeah you know if i have to block and and that springs the running back like that's going to be the thing that gets it done so it doesn't feel like this is a team where guys are caught up in roles or in playing time they just want to kind of find a way to get it done and that's what happened at illinois i think that felt pretty good to those guys, the staff, the coaching staff is continuing, especially on the offensive side, to figure out what the personnel does best, and, and they're they're building. So, like, no, I don't. I, certainly, it would be a disappointment if Nebraska didn't win this game. I think they have more talent than Northwestern. Um, you know, I, I think they're they're building for more of a long term um, goal than what Northwestern is. Certainly, with an interim coach and everything that's gone on on that side. Uh, and you know, I, I do think it'll be a competitive game. This series tends to be unpredictable for the most part and, and close uh, down to the end. So uh, certainly, it's a game that's important for Nebraska to win. It, it would make uh, you know the West race and and bowl discussions a lot more interesting if they pull it out. Um, but but no, I, I don't think desperate is the word I would use. I think uh, focused and determined would probably be closer to it. So focused, determined, ready to die. <laughs> if they die, they die, right? <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, Nebraska fans, they, they'd be all good with that that number being covered and controlled from quarter one through quarter four. I don't know that Northwestern's going to play along, Evan, but hmm. how how would it how would you handle a Nebraska game where they're up seventeen uh, or or more? from from the get-go from the jump like two years ago yeah i mean i like i said i, I do think from just a, a talent perspective mm. it's a lot easier for nebraska to attract <clears throat> skill position players in particular more than uh northwestern does and, and we saw things go off the rails in that one a couple years ago and, and they just they looked like the superior team um you know, in, in a lot of the ways. And so I, I suppose that's possible. We haven't seen that a lot. Northwestern has struggled to stop the run. Uh, they had a good, you know, quarter or half against Minnesota when they came back from down three scores. So they've done a little bit of that. I think the thing about Northwestern that gives me a little pause for this being a potential blowout is um, they're playing like the team that they are, and that's a team that has nothing to lose. Again, this is a, an interim coach. Um, you, you go back and watch some of the games that they've played. I think they've coached like they've had nothing to lose. I think, you know, again, if you would have said at the midway point that Northwestern was 3-3, three and three, I think that's probably better 
than what most uh, folks would have prognosticated ahead of time. Certainly, I know I don't know anybody that picked him to beat Minnesota, so I think that gets your attention right there. Um, but you know, from the Nebraska side of things, the thing that I think is fascinating with this game in particular is how do they handle success? And this is really the first time that they've they've had that. They've had two weeks to feel pretty good about how things transpired in Illinois, some of the growth that they've had within the program. And Matt Rule said it this week, right? Like coming out of some of those losses, he felt like someone was standing on his chest. Out of this week, uh, the challenge was to not walk around being happy and, and content. So how, how they handle this, I think will be really telling about the, the growth of this program because when you're a program that hasn't won three games in a row since 2016, I think that's pretty good evidence that uh, they just haven't been able to build momentum and, and stack wins over the years. So then, Evan, what is your barometer for Saturday in terms of Nebraska not playing complacent, not playing, you know, like like they've already made it? What are you going to be watching for in that game against a Northwestern team? That I mean, let's face it, Northwestern is not a group of world beaters this year, but neither is Nebraska. So, so what is your barometer for Saturday in terms of progress, in terms of success for Nebraska not being complacent and still being motivated to go out there and get better every single week? Well, I think it starts with the defense and continuing to play as they have with their hair on fire and, and, and really just bottling teams up, gang tackling, swarming to the ball, um, you know, all that stuff. If they can add that next, that next uh, or, or, or unlock that next achievement of getting takeaways, then I think you're really cooking with gas and taking things to the next level. So I would start with the defense, but then offensively, uh, you know, j- just kind of sticking to what works and, like, I thought it was interesting this week hearing from Marcus Satterfield, the OFC, saying, you know, yeah, if he had his way, he'd he'd be taking, uh, you know, downfield shots uh, quite often and, and, and passing it more than they are. But that's just not where this team is from a personnel standpoint, from a from a, a, a skill set standpoint. So I think if Nebraska's locked in, they're, they're going to stay disciplined to the run game. They're going to lean on a veteran offensive line, uh, you know they're going to uh, rely on Anthony Grant, potentially Joshua Fleeks, Emmett Johnson, whomever, um, to to get those tough yards on the ground. Heinrich Harburg as well, and then you just sort of pick your spots with what you do through the passing game. Maybe you get creative and find ways to get Billy Kemp the ball uh, in space. But I, I just think you know a sign of complacency in a moment like that is, eh, you know we're gonna we're gonna see what Harburg can do through the air, and we're gonna throw it. 35 times like I, I don't think that's probably the best path to victory so if you're really locked in on what it takes to win I think this is a week where you embrace doing that um, doing it ugly maybe in a way that's not uh, the most satisfying as a coach or the, or the most aesthetically pleasing as a fan but just kind of knowing that if you stick to that formula chances are pretty good you're going to walk out with a W. Evan Bland with us from the Omaha World Herald find him on Twitter at Evan Bland O-W-H Evan, what's a good day catch-wise and yardage-wise for these freshman wideouts that are being forced into duty? Well, I mean, Malachi Coleman has a, a five-yard out catch as, as the only one in his career to this point. So, you know, building on that, I think, would be a start. Jalen Lloyd, we haven't seen, you know, a ton out of him either. Uh, Matt Rule was a little bit hesitant on Jaden Doss as he's worked his way back from injury. He's probably a little bit behind those other two receivers that you're talking about. I, I think, you know, part of the profile of, of both 
Lloyd and Coleman out of high school was that they were burners and and they could take the top off on on defense and or on defenses and you know Coleman in particular was a uh, you know a national level sprinter who's who's still I believe looking to do track in the spring Lloyd kind of in the same conversation so maybe they do bring a little bit of a different dimension and even if that dimension is like go deep and take a couple receivers or I'm sorry a couple uh, defenders with you then maybe that is the different look that sort of opens things up a little bit for the run game. So I, I think you will see the Nebraska offense adjust to those skill sets that they're going to have on the outside that's maybe a little bit different from uh, you know an IGC or a, a, a Marcus Washington or whomever. Um, and, and, again, maybe that will shake some things up a little bit, uh, loosen some things for what uh, the offense wants to do through the run game. But, um, you know, I think just letting those guys go out and play and just kind of realizing – you know, you're, you're good players, you've done it in practice, now let that translate into the game. Evan, what's the story with Northwestern quarterback-wise? I know Coach White talked about three options. Uh, the Cincinnati transfers looked good. Is their backup a dual threat, but not much of a passer, more of a runner guy? What's Nebraska facing at quarterback potentially Saturday? Yeah, I thought Tony White laid it out pretty well uh, yesterday chatting with reporters. I mean, it looks like their preferred starter, Ben Bryant's going to be more of a game time decision. Um, you know, they didn't want to commit to him being fully back after he took a blindside hit against Penn State a few weeks ago. So we'll see. You know, if if he's back, he's more of their passing threat. Brandon Sullivan, their backup, is more of their uh, you know mobile threat with his legs. Maybe not quite um, the threat through the air as Bryant is, and so. I think the challenge is just like for if you're Nebraska, be aware of who's out there. You know, if it's if it is Bryant, then you're probably going to adjust your defense a little bit more uh, compared to if it's Sullivan or or even their third guy, who's really I think more of a, a wildcat sort of option, who's been banged up himself. So you just have to be really disciplined about who's out there. And and you know, this defense, you think about the first six games, they've kind of seen it all. They've seen guys like Shadur Sanders, who's been able to extend plays with his legs. You've seen guys like J.J. Uh, McCarthy with Michigan who can do both but has generally been a pocket guy. You've seen teams with uh, you know that have had injuries at quarterback and have had to be kind of creative. So I think the defense has already shown um, that it can handle a lot of different looks. It just needs to be disciplined about knowing who's out there. Evan, quickly, I want to get your thoughts on the dual feature that Husker fans will get on Saturday with first Nebraska-Northwestern at Memorial Stadium and then Nebraska, Wisconsin, down at Bob Devaney. I mean, what what kind of day is this in, in Husker fandom? I guess looking back, like in recent memory, it seems like a a big one to be able to get that dual feature. Where you know, what, if you're at the Husker game against Northwestern, you can walk on down to Bob Devaney and catch that one too. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. And if, if people had their preference, I'm sure uh, you know this would be one of those rare weeks when you wish Nebraska did kick off at 11, so you could have a little bit of time in between to reset and and get over there. You know, I was kind of reflecting a little bit today, um, just having talked to some former volleyball players from the Volleyball Day in Nebraska stuff about how, you know, even in the in the 80s, it, it, it was hard for Nebraska volleyball to get crowds. And they would have signs out in front of the NU Coliseum saying, you know, show your ticket stub from the football game and you can get in for free. And now you see in today's environment where a standing room only ticket at the Devaney Center is going to be like 200 bucks or more. Uh, this is going to do, I think, major ratings on television 
um, especially when you look at some of the other college football games that this match is going up against on Saturday night. And so it's just, it's really cool. It's, it's a rare instance, maybe the first instance uh, on a football Saturday that Nebraska is playing where uh, the football team in a lot of ways is, is the undercard to the main event later that night. So I think it says a lot about how far volleyball has come. It says a lot about um, just the, the, the height of, of where this volleyball program at Nebraska is right now. It does feel like it's at the top of its game. Um, and, yeah, I mean, what a, what a cool deal to be able to come to Memorial Stadium, see a team that's on the rise against Northwestern, and then top it off with a one-versus-two matchup that uh, kind of feels like a Final Four preview right now. Love it. Evan Bland, Omaha World Herald. Evan, we'll see you on Saturday. Thanks for a few minutes today, bud. Thanks, guys. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Evan Bland and Jeremiah Searles. We welcome in Dr. Brandon Seifert, Nebraska Orthopedic Center, a jock doc Wednesday. And a lot of Bears fans in the area, Dr. Brandon. And uh, they'll be uh, figuring out just who to pull for at quarterback. You've got Justin Fields that's, uh, well, he's got a slight chance to play versus the Raiders, but dealing with that dislocated thumb. Thanks for joining us. Is this something you see quite a bit on the gridiron, the dreaded thumb dislocation? Yeah, you know, great question, Chris. Uh, You know, fortunately, we actually don't see a lot of thumb dislocations. Uh, we do see a lot of, you know, finger dislocations in general, but fortunately the thumb's pretty rare. Um, you know, the thumb in particular is a pretty well-protected uh, uh, joint in terms of the different ones that are there. You've got your MCP or, uh, or IP joints. There's a lot of joints in the thumb, and a lot of those are really well-protected, kind of very thick ligamentous slash kind of capsular structures keep that in place. Um, plus, you, know, you think about kind of the, the mobility, the flexibility of the thumb. You can put your thumb in a lot of different positions, and still have, you know, pretty good function, motion, and it can, you know, sustain a lot of trauma. If you think about some of your other fingers and kind of the directionality of the way the joints go, you know, they're a little bit limited uh, in some of those motions, so it's a little easier to have dislocations in the other fingers. Yeah, and Dr. Brennan, you talk about dislocating other fingers. I'm going to come in here with the personal story. I dislocated one of the joints in my pinky back my senior year of high school football, and to this day, that joint is a little bit stiff and my pinky stays a little bit crooked. But what you're saying here is that's less of a risk with the thumb? Yeah, it tends to be a lot less of the risk. Definitely occurs, you know, less of the time, uh, which, you know, as, we relate, as it relates to the thumb. We actually see more uh, fractures in the thumb uh, than we do on the dislocation side. There's a couple of specific kind of thumb fracture injuries that are out there. One in particular is called a gamekeeper's thumb, which essentially that thumb gets kind of bent to the inside, catching on somebody's jersey or somebody kind of runs into it as you're having your hand stretched out. Um, I wouldn't say it's an overly common injury, but definitely something I see more, especially in football players, than I do the dislocation piece. What really happened? Elijah's going to play it up like it's an old football war injury. I would bet money that he's uh, cheating at Texas Hold'em and Robert De Niro stormed into his basement <laughs> with a hammer. Uh, I'm kidding, of course. I'm going to pull up the old pictures of me and my football pads with <laughs> a dislocated pink. You and Searles both have the most screwed up hands. Uh, Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us, Nebraska Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. We're talking Justin Fields and his uh, dislocated thumb. So grip is going to be key for him whether or not he plays i know he fell on it awkwardly as he was getting smoked in the pocket dr brandon what pushes that decision 
to to go ahead and have surgery versus let this thing heal. Yeah, and so, you know, anatomically, as we talk about this, you know, kind of two main joints, you see the dislocations in the thumb. One would be kind of the IP joint. The other one would be kind of at the base of the thumb called the CMC joint. Um, you know, and as that dislocates, you think about the amount of trauma or force it takes for that to pop out of place, slide out of place. In the process of doing so, you can tear through a lot of ligaments, the capsular structure. And so as you think about, okay, when do we need to do surgery on these versus can you just treat it by, you know, one, putting it back in place and then treating it from a closed perspective and some rehab. The biggest thing really becomes kind of the ligamentous support. Um, in particular, if you dislocate uh, the uh, thumb joint that's called your IP joint, um, if you dislocate that one, there's a large ligament complex that sits on the inside part of that thumb that gives you basically kind of that stability in terms of grip strength stability. Um, and if you don't necessarily have that ligament ligament of support on that inside portion of the thumb, then as you go to grip something, that thumb just kind of folds to the outside and no longer kind of gives you that interior grip. So if that kind of ligamentous injury shows up, then that's you know kind of an automatic need to have that ligament surgically repaired to redevelop that kind of grip strength stability. Um, obviously, another part of this would be you know what we call fracture dislocation. So it dislocates and you have a fracture on top of the dislocation, then that would be something where you have to entertain the thought of whether it be pins or a, a plate over the area. Um, outside of that, if you're treating this, you know, from a closed perspective, I would say, you know, the vast majority of these dislocations in the thumb are treated in a closed perspective, meaning you have to reduce it, put it back in place, and then you take it through a short course of immobilization, a rehab course, and then you get back, you know, playing your sport at some point down the road. Dr. Brandon, you answered the question about how many of these are, are more off of the dislocation and fracture. How about re-injury? Say Fields is given a... a well, sorry, thumbs up, and and uh, he's going to be out there against the Raiders. Uh, what's the the likelihood that there's insult to injury here, and it it gets worse? Either you you follow through and hit a helmet, maybe you're stepped on again, maybe your running back just says, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna really make it rough on those handoffs." I mean this this is not a uh, an easy part of the body for the quarterback to to keep and protect. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, there's kind of those that varying level of, you know, injury spectrum that's there. So acutely with these, as you kind of go back the first, oh, anywhere from kind of three to six weeks after injury, you know, there's still that kind of increased kind of dislocation risk compared to the normal population since you just had it happen. Um, and so obviously that'd be worst case scenario. You go back, you play, and then you have a bad hit happen or you fall awkward down it and result in a re-dislocation. Um, alternatively, you know, pretty easy just to kind of retweak it. So you may not, you know, knock it totally out of joint, but you can kind of restretch all those kind of healing ligaments that are there. And it's pretty easy to do that, especially, you know, falling on it, more the contact piece. Um, just by trying to you know, grip the football and those kind of things, uh, not likely to, you know, kind of re-injure it. However, now we're talking about, okay, it's sore. The stability is probably not totally back there yet. And so that grip strength is going to be different, um, as a thrower in particular for him. And then ultimately what happens here is as you move along this process, you know, you start out kind of in an instability part of it as life goes along and those ligaments really tend to tighten up and scar in actually over time, it becomes really stiff. So it becomes more of an issue of not recurrent instability, but rather a lot of stiffness in the thumb. And so you might lose a lot of that mobility. And so that would be kind of the big thing I worry about kind of long-term for these athletes is more kind of a stiffness and a lot of kind of thickening of that tissue that surrounds that joint. 
Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us here. It's a Jock Doc Wednesday on Hale Varsity. And Dr. Brandon, go back to my own pinky. I remember whenever I was getting back to playing, they'd buddy tape my finger to give it a little bit more support. And, and I assume there's some thumb braces out there available for this kind of injury, but are, are those able to be used for a, a quarterback with how much grip they need to, to have on the football and, and the importance of their hands? Are there bracing options that he can play quarterback in? Yeah, you know, there's a variety of different braces that are out there. You know, the vast majority of braces for a thumb are more kind of what we call like thumb spike of braces where it kind of holds that thumb in a fixed position. Uh, but there are some other options out there where you can do some kind of figure of eight kind of taping around the thumb. Um, there's even more kind of some flexible braces, if you will, that are out there. And they're reasonable. Uh, but, the, you know, obviously the most important thing here is you really do rely upon that flexibility, that range of motion, that joint is what you need in order to do, you know, his, his job in particular in the field. And so trying to find that kind of balance in between those two of a little bit of stability, at least trying to maintain staying away from those really kind of hyper extended type positions would be what you're looking for, but yet also give you the ability to have a good grip strength to bring that thumb, kind of oppose that thumb down to your small finger. You still want the ability to do that. You need to be able to have some mobility with it if you're under center or even taking a shotgun snap and then to grip it differently to hand off versus step back and throw. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us, Nebraska Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. Justin Fields, our topic in his dislocated thumb. Dr. Brandon, we'll give you a holler next week. Thanks for a few minutes. Okay, fellas, take care. All right, good to spend time with Dr. Brandon. That pinky you showed me is vicious. Yeah. It is absolutely. There's, there's, you know, there's four family members and then Elijah's pinky right there. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Schedule road trips for you as we hit the road tomorrow back at the single barrel, 9th and P inside the graduate four to six road show to get your weekend kicked off early in the right way. The single barrel, 9th and P inside the graduate. Come by, say what's up. We'll uh, spend time, plenty of volleyball as we. Gear up for Nebraska-Wisconsin. Big Red taking on Northwestern tonight. But Brandon Vogel and John Baylor going to join us. Gary Barnett tomorrow as well. Danny Burke. Some Vegas thoughts from Danny for Thursday Night Football and beyond. Friday up in La Vista at the Herdant Sports Bar and Grill. So see us, our Omaha friends, in La Vista Friday 4-6. to six. Back for your pregame with the weekend edition of Hale Varsity Noon to 2 in front of Nebraska Northwestern on Saturday. Then at the downtown Rosies, Monday from 4 to 6, the 10th and piece. So plenty of options to come by and say hi, come hang out. And uh, we're excited about tomorrow and beyond. Big thanks to all the folks at Single Barrel, at Rosies, and at Herdat for having us out. Can always download the show, take us with the Hale Varsity uh, YouTube channel is the video portion. Can watch anytime there. Can also rewatch on the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at H Varsity Radio, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. All three platforms can get the show. Download that. Big thanks. Jeremiah Searles talked ball with us, along with Evan Bland, Dr. Brandon right there from Nebraska Orthopedic. And in our one, Mr. Mike Babcock. We love talking football with Babbers. So uh, it was a good day today, as always. We'll get to some of your emails, uh, try and carry some of those over. The uh, stream was on fire today in a great way. Appreciate that. 
so many folks chiming in uh, with just how uh, their, their, their anticipation is growing. And you need to put up a picture of your pinky. That, 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 that crazy pinky, Elijah. Should I get it up is, real quick? Yeah, I mean, it looks like a crinkle fry. It does. I, I, at yet, the time, yet, it was called you a th- You have your thumb, you have your three fingers, and then there's Elijah's pinky. It looks like someone took a tack hammer to it. Yeah, that sounds about right. Let me you know. Between you and Searles, because Searles looks like he's given the old Spock sign with one of his paws. Um, it's not that I've never jammed or jacked a finger before, but... Yeah, you've got the straight up... Uh, well, I, I didn't even think it was bad. You've got the crinkle fry going. Whenever it happened, I didn't even think it was bad because like, it just felt like I jammed it, and then I looked down at my hand, and it, it, it looked wrong. You, know? you can't even do the Dr. Evil with that pinky. I'm efforting. I'm going to have it up no, to the Yeah, I mean, you know, you can't put the pinky to the side of your mouth and twist dr evil style yeah, but what is nice is it's got like a permanent little bend to it so it's really easy for me to carry in groceries like it <laughs> what they, is they nice is i can use it as a coat hanger <laughs> exactly <laughs> things just sit in it very nicely as i'll get this picture pulled up here before we go it uh, is vicious who did that to you uh that was my own teammate actually we we're just doing a blocking drill and i landed on like my hand landed on the top of somebody's pads as we were like pulling down through and it just kind of knocked it out of place did you weep no, I did not, actually. You can see, see me. look at that. Elijah's <laughs> waving. It's <laughs> an old picture of me. Well, pre, pre-mustache, but... but you know, they, they popped it back in. I was back at practice. They made me sit out the rest of the day, but I was back the next day. It's, uh, dislocated Elijah, pinkies aren't as bad yeah, as they let's look. let's play whack-a-mole with Elijah's left hand. It, it's, it, it looks a lot worse than it actually felt. It didn't feel that bad. All right, back tomorrow, 4 o'clock. See us at the single barrel. Ninth and P inside the graduate road show tomorrow with Hale Varsity. A Huda Media Production.